major crime and crime scene descriptions. And other adult content listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the darker side, true crime. I'm your host, Breaker. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend today. Today we'll be covering the case of the Marion Brakeman. With that said, on with the show. Bulging eyes, balding head, paunchy form, and wide down lip, downturned lips, George W.E. Jiggs Perry was an unlikely Romeo to anyone, less likely to his victims. Still, George mastered the art of love em and leave em, and became highly skilled at a confidence game known as the, quote, widow racket, unquote. He was married at, to at least eight women at the same time. Most ended up sadder, poorer, and perhaps a bit wiser. Yeah. And one also ended up dead, unfortunately. In early October of 1930, a man walking down Wisconsin's Lac du Lafambeau Indian Reservation stumbled over a woman's decomposed body. She was in a silk green dress, hiking boots, and a knitted cap with a bow in front. The coroner found a bullet at the base of her skull. Investigations of missing persons reports and the labels on the clothing yielded a name. Widow Cora Bell Hackett, aged 42. Dental records confirmed her identity. In June of 1930, she had answered a want ad that said a woman was looking for a female traveling companion for a trip to California. When Cora had answered the ad, she learned that it was really a man who had placed it. Instead of running away like she should have, she entered into a whirlwind, a whirlwind romance with the stranger. In July, a friend reported Cora missing. She told police that she had last heard from Cora weeks earlier, as she headed off for a honeymoon with her third husband, George. Police learned that the couple had checked into a resort in northern Wisconsin. On 6 July, the groom borrowed a rifle from the resort owner, saying he wanted to do some hunting. Hunting of the wrong sort, unfortunately. Then the newlyweds took off on a day trip. Then hours later, George returned alone, packed up, and left the resort. Detectives traced his movements from, from there to Cleveland, where he stopped off to visit another wife, seamstress Kathleen Gebhardt. Perry had wooed and wed Kathleen, also a widow, in J January of 1930. 
She had told police that George had George had showed up in a car carrying luggage filled with another woman's clothing that he said belonged to a rich aunt. Okay, that's a giant red flag. I don't know why she didn't say, oh, no, um, no, no thank you. But, uh, yeah. From there, detectives started to trace his trail of matrimony. He married for the first time to a pretty factory worker named Mary Nichols in 1912. The couple had three children. Perry supported his wife his family as a railroad brakeman in Milwaukee. In 1929, for no reason, he had, quote, just walked out of the house one day, unquote, Mary said, and never returned. A, ne a nephew later told police that his uncle had tried to pull him into his new occupation, bigamy. Quote, easy money, women fall for this stuff, and then you pull the and then you get their money, unquote. The nephew quoted George as saying, quote, Give me two weeks with any woman and she'll give me the keys to her heart, unquote. Within a year, he married Catherine Cora, three more widows in Illinois, and then another in Arkansas in November of 1930, a month after Hackett's corpses found near their honeymoon resort. He found them to lonely hearts as and lured them with tales that he was a South American millionaire or the heir of a huge estate of an elderly aunt. The women believed him and when he lamented that he, the money was tied up and were happy to foot the bills. Hackett even paid for her fatal honeymoon. Investigators tracked him to St. Louis where he had proposed to a woman saying that he was heir to $875,000, about $14 million today. He, she asked him for the time to think about it, but before he was gone, she would give him an answer. After that, the trail went cold. It may have stayed that way if it had not been for a copy of, quote, True Detective, unquote, magazine. In May of 1931, a San Francisco police investigator was skimming through it and noticed a familiar face and a story about the, quote, the, the marrying brakeman, unquote. Those who I got the episode title from. He looked very much like a, the man the detective had questioned about a traffic accident. The man, Frank Moran, had recently married a boarding house owner, Anna Gutierrez. After some resistance, the, the man San Francisco police knew as Moran admitted that he was really Perry and was shipped back to Wisconsin. He sent his San Francisco sweetie a letter begging him to send her $12,000 savings to hire an attorney. She filed for her divorce instead. The others also turned their backs on him. Surprisingly, his legal wife, who had been left destitute when Perry abandoned his family, rushed to his side with their three children, Johnny 18, Dan 14, Grace 21 months in tow, 
Mary Perry, 39 years of age, showed up at her husband's jail cell. Mary, 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 Perry cried when he saw her. Mary showed him the baby Grace for the first time. She, she was born after her father had deserted them. Why did you do it? Why did you marry all those women, Mary had asked him. Well, was all he could say as he hung his head. Mary broke the silence. I brought you some oranges, George. Before I go any further, a big shout out goes to the New York Daily News. Without them, this episode would have been possible. Okay, George was something else, leaving his beautiful wife and kids to deceive widows to get their money is lower than low. And this guy, not to judge, but he ugly. But his wife is beautiful. I'll leave pictures up on this website for you to see. Uh, George did definitely did not deserve her. I'm glad to see that his crimes dead did in the end catch up to him. And he and in the end he did end up dying in jail, unfortunately. I'm just sad to see that he ended up widowing his wife and his children and orphaning his children in the end. So there were some more people he did end up hurting. Nothing is truly a victimless crime. So if you think you're doing something that you're not hurting somebody, take another great big step back. In the end, you are probably hurting somebody. Nothing is a victimless crime. That said, this brings this episode to a close. Thank you for listening and subscribing to my podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and tell a friend today. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any comments or suggestions or cases, feel free to email info at darkersidepodcast.com. I'm on my official home on the internet, zephula.com. That's X-E-P-H-U-L-A.com. You'll find the show's official page there and my personal page there as well. Be sure to like the show's page and send me a friend request. I will accept. Mahalo and catch you next time on the darker side.